to go to sleep, and I could not sleep. The anticipation was killing me. I was like, ah, I know what's about to happen. 32 hours, door to door, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, to Eugene, Oregon. It wasn't quite like over the bridge to grandmother's house. It was more like over the Pacific Ocean to grandmother's house we go. And I was trying to fall asleep. I knew that 4 a.m. the the alarm clock was going to go off and I was going to have to get up and get ready and get to the airport. But I, I just could not sleep. Folded at the end of my bed was my clothes, you know, nicely folded, not like this one. But uh, I knew it was there. My trusty pants, they were not the skinny jeans. I'm going for the hipster look today. These were pants that I knew would pass muster because my mom wanted us to look nice and respect the other passengers on the plane. And so we had to dress to impress, you know. So they were kind of like khaki golf pants, Nike stretch pants. Sometimes people wear stretchy pants on airplanes just for fun. And my leg hair would get itchy in jeans, so I knew or, that I wanted to wear these, these looser pants. So I had my trusty pants. They were there. They were ready to go. They were folded on top of my shoes along with my button-up shirt, and it was everything was there. Clean underwear, clean socks. Everything was ready to go. I'm just tossing and turning. I cannot fall asleep. 11 o'clock. <sighs> Eyes wide open. I'm ready to go. I know what I need to do. My morning routine. How many of you have a morning routine? hot shower. I'm just ready. I'm just psyching myself up for this airplane ride. And I know I'm not going to get another shower for almost 40 hours. This is, I'm living for this shower. I get out of the shower. I dry off. I take those trusty pants, put them on. I put on my button-up shirt. I am looking good. I look over. My brother is still asleep. He's not stirring at all. Mom and dad haven't come in to check on to see if we're awake yet dawns on me, did the alarm actually go off? I look at the alarm, it's midnight. I had been asleep for an hour. Now I'm fully dressed, my trusty pants are no longer folded and ready to go. What am I supposed to do for the next four hours? Well, uh, you know, clothes and morning routines, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm just picking up what's on the ground. Not every day is like that airplane ride where I'm intentional and having my clothes there. But every day, no matter if it's a day where I'm getting on an airplane for 32 hours, or if it's coming to church or getting ready for a work day, um, I'd love for you to come visit me and Brian at the church office sometime. We have a very low... um, staff dress policy. So you might find us in our gym shorts just hanging around. But either way, every morning I do the same thing. I get dressed, right? Um, And I want us to think a little bit about clothes today because Brian's series, Fulfilled, which we're continuing today, has posed this question, what if the best life, what Jesus intends for us now, as he says, I've come not like the thief to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly, as Jesus says in John 10. Brian's saying that's not just about an abundant life in the future. That's not just about some time in the future when we get to heaven, when we're with God, when we see him face to face. Sure, that's true. We'll have a really good life then. And maybe there's some things that Jesus has to teach us about getting uh, to that point. But Jesus' teaching is also about the best life now, living the fulfilled life now, living the abundant life today. And so I love this sermon series. If you haven't had a chance to listen to his messages, you can go online and find them. Last week, we talked about the grass being greener. And uh, the reality is, is that wherever 
I am. I tend to be the one who makes the grass brown. And uh, so it's never going to be green because I'm always there with it, right? What if we're to think a little bit differently about the abundant life? And so today I wanted to focus in on what the earliest followers of Jesus had to say about this fulfilled life. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. He says that all of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I think we have that quote. And I wonder if uh, for the earliest Christians um, that they were thinking and imagining a different, a change in wardrobe, if you will. That as they're thinking about their everyday routines and the clothes that they put on, they're wondering, I think Jesus' teaching has something to say about what we put on. And so he uses this language, and we're going to see this later on in some of the passages that we look at. Uh, I invited the, the Hayes sisters to come up and share a little bit about some of the clothes that they, um, that they like to wear and different things. Um, but while they're getting ready up here, I have a couple t-shirts that I've Googled. Um, this first one, meh. Now, if you don't know the word meh, uh, this is a great Urban Dictionary definition of meh. Uh, meh is the universal, non-committal answer for every question ever posed. It is the answer that doesn't actually give an answer. So um, I, I don't use meh, but I think I've heard you guys use it before. So if you don't know meh, you can come ask the experts on meh. Uh, the next t-shirt I think I googled, t-shirts are the easy ones, right, to find the funny phrases on. Um, this one has, describes my life. You know, I consume a lot of things. I watch too much TV. I probably should obey a little bit more. Um, sorry, mom. Um, but anyway, she's here. So I wanted to pose some questions to um, these, these wonderfully, they're much more intentional about their, their clothes choices than I am usually. Although today I'm wearing the Home in LA shirt on purpose because Chris and Crystal and all that. Um, so what, you may not wear a shirt that has title like words on it, but there's some specific things that, yeah, you have a few words on there, but there's some reasons that you choose um, the clothes that you have. So I have some questions for you guys. First, um, just share what's your favorite article of clothing and why? Because it might not be a t-shirt. I don't know. Do shoes count? Shoes, yeah. Doc Martens. Because they are amazing and they give off an R of nonchalance. I'm going to hop on the shoe bandwagon and say uh, ankle boots because they make me feel classy. And taller. Too. And taller. Um, I'm going to say my panic t-shirt because it's I like t-shirts. Um, and Panic is a band, right? Panic of the Dixo is a band. Okay, there you go. So you're here. Yeah. Um, okay, so my, my next question is, if you're thinking about going out to, um, to school or out to a friend's house or a party or a concert or something like that, there are different times in your life, different occasions. Going to church is an occasion, right? Do you choose different clothes for certain purposes or occasions? And if so, like, why? Or give an example of one of those. Oh, definitely. I wear different things to different things because it's just more appropriate. Like um, at church, I'm more likely, I'm not wearing a dress today, but I'm more likely to wear a dress, whereas just to school, I'm never going to wear a dress. That's way too much to deal with. And then like, you know, if I'm going to like a pool party, I wear a sundress and a swimsuit under. Or if I'm going to like a birthday party, then I'll probably wear some shorts, you know? It just 
whatever's more comfortable and fits the fashion of the event. Yeah, um, I'll just use one of the examples you mentioned for a concert. I'd probably wear something like what she's wearing. Probably I'd wear like a, a plaid flannel instead of a leather jacket maybe because it's just more like I can tie it around my waist if I want to if it gets too hot. Um, the outfit I'm wearing right now I wore for my, um, my first publication party because I wanted to feel professional and classy. So, yeah. Um, my example is um, on Friday. I actually sort of had a performance. We were doing, it was a, for a school of rock. I'm not actually in it, but I got to perform there. <laughs> so, obviously, I wanted to dress sort of rock chick for the occasion. So, obviously, I stole some of Michaela's clothes to be more emo. <laughs> Uh, okay, so thinking about those choices that you make about clothes, and, and you've already kind of alluded to it a little bit, what are you often trying to communicate with the clothes um, that you wear? Like, what is a, maybe a message uh, that you're trying to communicate with what you choose to wear? Um, and maybe the message is about yourself, or maybe it's about other people. I don't know. What, what kind of messages are you trying to send? Well, it, like, depends, again, on where I'm going, what I'm doing. Because, like, um, people tell me I don't have a specific aesthetic. Like, my clothing ranges. Oh, an aesthetic is when you always dress, like, one way. But, like, like if you always dress like you're in the 80s or if you always dress, like, punk rock type. Yeah, a signature style. So, like, depending on where I'm going, I'll wear different clothes to kind of ask... Um, to accent either the softer sides of myself or the edgier sides of myself. Or, yeah, it just depends on the occasion. Um, I definitely dress up if I want to feel more confident. Like, I'm more, I'll be more likely to wear, like, a button-up or something or for an interview. You know, you definitely want to dress nicer. But if I'm out for a really long time, I definitely want to wear something more low-maintenance, so, like, a T-shirt and shorts and then, obviously, if I'm working out, I want to wear something I can move in. So, yeah. For me, I almost always wear some combination of a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> I usually just dress it up with, like, jackets and shoes and jewelry. But So, if I'm wearing a lot of jewelry, you know I'm trying. <laughs> All, right. All right. Give these guys a round of applause. Thanks, guys. So, as... Um as you think about what you have to wear, um, I was thinking about the fact that in our culture, we don't focus so much on um, things that are taboo. Like if I was to put this hat on, which I was going to use a little bit later, um, this hat is conveying a message to you. It has a big zero or an O if you know what it means. Um, and uh, I'm a sports fan, but I'm not like an NFL sports fan. I love my college football team. Uh, the Oregon Ducks. And so I'm conveying to you a message that my allegiance is with the Ducks, not with the Beavers or the Bruins or the Trojans or something like that. Um, I'm also trying to convey to you that um, I still have some allegiance to my home up in um, what Lou calls God country up there in, in Oregon. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in some cultures and uh, in, our, in our recent past, it would be inappropriate for a guy to wear a hat in a, in a building, right? Especially in a church building. So I'll take my hat back off and be more reverent again. Um, but 
if you go around the world, there are still places that you have to abide by certain codes or customs. So if we go on a mission trip to Cambodia, we might give some instructions that you want to make sure that your shoulders are covered and that if you're a guy that you wear kind of longer shorts, that you don't wear super short shorts. So this is a picture of me in India. I think I have a couple of them. Um, Because my shorts were not kosher, and we were at a a mosque, and um, my brother's shorts apparently were long enough. But uh, I had to borrow and rent a dress um, to wear. I think there's a couple more photos. So I'm hanging out with my dad. You'll notice in this picture... You can't really see it very well. I'm wearing a baseball cap, but he had to actually get a covering for his head to go into this part of the um, mosque, I think it was. And then um, there's, I think, one of us all there. I can't believe how little I, I look in these pictures. This is a long time ago. But, uh, but yeah, we, we at times would have to take off our shoes if we were touring a, a temple, a Buddhist temple. Um, there was etiquette about what you wear, right? And we in, a, in the U.S. and American culture have kind of lost that sense of clothing being uh, significant. In the New Testament, you'll actually find passages about women needing to have coverings and that their hair is as part of this covering for worship and it's honoring their head and things. And so there's like even haircut um, instructions in the, in the New Testament. There's uh, things about men praying without their head covered. Um, so there seems to be these these clothing things that we've kind of, Uh, distanced ourselves from. We don't relate as well to it. But in the New Testament, Paul uses this this idea, and I think it's because the earliest followers took seriously Jesus's words about the fulfilled life, having something to do with putting on Christ, and they visualized it like putting on a jacket, putting on clothing. And so I'll, I'll show you some text. Um, this is just a list of the clothes of Christ's character from Paul's um, kind of writings from Romans chapter 5. There's some list here about perseverance and character and hope that these things are not lost in a believer's life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 might be a familiar one if you've been to a wedding. A lot of weddings will have this passage in there. And I love how he describes love kind of as the important thing to have in your life, that if you're not wearing this, if you will, you're walking around like a symbol, just banging and making vibrations annoyingly to everyone around you. That you're just kind of a a ball of chaos making a bunch of noise. But if you put on love, then you go around and you're a blessing to these people. And love is this way. It's it's patient. It's kind. It's gentle. Um, So then in Galatians 5, we all know the fruit of the Spirit passage is a great one. I can still sing the song from VBS. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, and self-control. And uh, and I remember singing that and thinking about that. And I always thought it was weird that there was these, like, fruit things. We even have a fruit stand out there from when our Bible Adventures kids went through it recently. But I wonder if Paul continues this language that he used earlier about clothing yourself with Christ. What if you were to think about these things as, you know, the socks of kindness and gentleness? What if you were to put on the shoes of joy? What if you were to walk into a room full of gentleness as you talk to people? What if you had the baseball cap of self-control that you announced, I'm not championing the, uh, the Bruins today or the Ducks today, but I'm championing gentleness today? Um, what if in Philippians chapter 2, is, is he kind of invites the people into uh, this, he actually calls it out. He says, each of you should have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus in your relationships with one another. And so he's kind of like clothing your mind with these attitudes of humility 
and selflessness and looking out for the other's interests. Um, Colossians chapter 3 is where I want to spend um, the rest of our time today. So if you have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen, but I'd encourage you to open it up to, Philippians, uh, to Colossians, sorry, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin in, in verse 1. And, uh, and we're going to go through this passage, but I, I need some props for this, so I'm going to put on a couple props while you're flipping open there. All right. Going for, uh, going for some look here. I'm not exactly sure. You can tell me what my aesthetic is later, Michaela. Okay. Verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, one of the problems with Bible reading is often we just kind of read right past something, and we just kind of go, okay, that's the verse ends. Okay, next verse. Um, but there's something significant going on with this passage. He's making a statement since then, since this past event has happened. And what he's referring to is that each one of us who have been baptized into Christ, each one of us who have put on Christ, since then, we've joined Jesus' story. And Jesus' story is one of death, of burial, of resurrection. And that's why baptism is such this kind of iconic moment. When you die like Christ did, you give up yourself. You say, I'm no longer to live for myself. I'm no longer going to be um, so focused on me that I'm actually going to bury myself in water like Jesus was buried in a tomb. And then when I come out of the water, I'm joining in Jesus' story of being new life. It's a different me. It's a different Lars. It's a different body. So he's, he's calling back to that. So as you read the rest of the passage, keep your baptism, keep that time when you committed your life to Christ, when you said, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm dying to myself, and I'm being buried, and now I'm coming to a new life. Since that event has happened, And you've had all these things. You've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Now, I know that that makes me pause. Like, God's wrath is coming? So, you know, I'd love to talk with you about that. But if you think about... um, Mother nature or just things that happen, we often use phrases when natural disasters happen or when things like destructive behaviors, people pursue destructive behaviors, whether you've known an alcoholic or someone who struggled with drug abuse or whether you've been part of um, an abusive relationship or just constant conflict. There are many times where in the Bible they use this phrase because it's in their imagination that when people make destructive choices, this is what happens. Destruction follows them. And so I would encourage you just to to read that wrath of God statement like that. Paul is trying to say, yeah, the consequences are going to catch up with people when you live this way. So he says, you used to live in these ways in the life you once lived. 
But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So as you think about this passage, there's a lot in it um, for us to kind of digest. But I wonder um, if for, for the clothing illustration here, um, that Paul is inviting us to rid ourselves. He's not saying that when you died to your old self, that everything went away. In fact, there's opportunities for you to still need to put these things to death. That there's a constant choice, just like it is every morning when you get up and get dressed, that you have a choice to pick up the dirty clothes out of the laundry bin and just put them back on. They're trusted. You know what they feel like. You know what they look like, right? But sometimes they start to smell, right? Um, I think I have a picture of my daughter in here. Um, Yeah, this was from Father's Day. And um, I, had to, I had to include her in the sermon here uh, somehow. Six months old, such a cutie. The, the shirt actually, I think, says Daddy's Deep Sea Cutie. Um, and she looks amazing, right, in that, in that little onesie and everything. But it's, there's times, there's times where if I was to just leave her in her mess, or there's times where, man, it just kind of comes exploding out and, you know, blow out city. And uh, there are times where we just have to decide this, this onesie's done. This onesie is not, not surviving another day, right? It would be foul to keep putting her back in it, right? She drools all over it. She does some things. Some of it's just innocent kindness. You know, mess just happens. But if you continue to put those dirty clothes back on, you're not living the fulfilled life that God has called for you. And, um, you know, you may still want to wear your baseball caps that are Um, encouraging your teams or your sports teams. But what are the idols in your life that you continue to put on? Is your home, you know, with Jesus or is your home with Oregon, you know, with with your vice that you just keep coming back to? Maybe it was a good thing. Maybe it's not a bad thing, those movies or those TV shows that you enjoy or that alcohol, that drink at night, or maybe that experience of, uh, you know, I enjoy going to Vegas and and winning the lottery once in a while or online gambling. But if you continue to return to these things, maybe they are more your God than God is. And perhaps maybe you're continuing to put on what's familiar rather than pursuing uh, the fulfilled life that Jesus has for you, the character of Jesus. And so the invitation is to take off your old self. And the passage then continues by saying, okay, what do you need to take off? What do you need to to put on? So we're going to talk a little bit about that in in a moment. But I wanted to point out something. I'm wearing my hipster jacket here. um, And it's got this nice, I've got this nice white shirt underneath um, that is from Pepperdine. It was free. And so I enjoy free things. Uh, But uh, I'm wearing this jacket because it's covering up some stains on this shirt. So there's some green nastiness on this shirt. Because I painted in this shirt. It's a little baggy, so it was a good, good uh, painter shirt for me. But, you know, some of us, I think, um, on Sundays or once a week or maybe the hour that we're at home with our family. Or maybe it's the time when we go to work and it's not when we're with our family. But it's, it's when we come back from our family that we take off the jacket. 
better in practice. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but some of us maybe uh, take the jacket off when we get home or when we're uh, other places, but at church we've got the jacket covering up the stains and the dirt. And I wonder if some of us are pretty good about once a week or even just once or twice a week putting on the jacket to cover up the dirty clothes, the old self. And I don't think uh, Paul is, is uh, avoiding and pulling any punches here because he, right after the list, he says, don't lie to each other since you've taken off the old self. He didn't mean you covered up the old self. He's trying to say you need to take it off. So we'll see if this works here. I knew that was going to happen. Okay, that was a risk, and it, and it happened. We're through it. We're through it. Um, but the, the reality is, is that we need to take off the, the old clothes, even if they're dependable. Like, this shirt is a little tight. This shirt is loose, and so I tend to lean towards loose shirts. But, um, but sometimes we need to take off the stuff rather than covering it up. We need to not lie to each other. In fact, we need to bring it out into the open. That's where we get to grow. That's when we truly uh, get to live the fulfilled life. I need my headphones back, though, for one more illustration. Let's put the next part of the passage up. Uh, He continues in uh, chapter 3 by then talking about what we should put on then. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. So my thought for you is to to really take these, um, these clothes, these compassion, love, gentleness, and really kind of try and imagine what they might look like for you in your everyday so maybe when you're having a conflict with um, a coworker or a spouse or your child, maybe gentleness means that you clothe yourself with a lower tone of voice. Maybe you just bring it down a couple levels. What if you were to clothe yourself in conflict situations with gentleness? Many of us are walking around. I might get louder because I can't hear myself now. Um, many of us are walking around literally with headphones in, plugged in to music, or whatever. Um, But I want to take this to another level. What if you were not aware of the fact that you're kind of not listening to the people around you? What if being clothed with humility might mean that you have to take the headphones off and actually listen to the other person rather than trying to talk yourself? What if you were to listen to them by letting them have the last word instead of always one-upping. And this goes for me, too. Oh, man. Um, just this week. Uh, what about for, uh, for kindness and, and patience? Uh, what if you were to see the people in your life um, by saying, hey, how, how can I actually, like, walk in their shoes for a day? How, how can I actually put on the other person's experience? Maybe patience would look like putting on that you need to... Um, you need to, like, try and understand their point of view rather than be understood by them. 
What if in an argument you stopped and just said, okay, I don't, want, I don't care that you misunderstood me. I just want to understand you, and then I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Um, I think this would change the way that we lived. I think it would change how we approached our life. But as I, I mentioned, um, we often dress to impress. Uh, the girls did a great job of talking about situations that you dress for. Um, and every morning you might evaluate the day. What do I need to wear? And the reality is that sometimes when I'm only going to see Brian in the office, I'm not motivated to dress to impress. Don't tell him that I said that. He'll probably listen to this anyway. But um, So there are times where I get lazy because I don't have an expectation to really dress to impress. And uh, I wonder if for, for us, we've lost the sense of the anticipation to dress to impress the king. That when it comes to our behaviors, when it comes to our character, when it comes to putting on compassion and gentleness and patience and love and humility, that we don't have the, the courage or even the motivation to dress to impress because we just don't think God is close. We just don't think, well, I'm going to see God today. We just don't wake up going, God is with me. God's at that meeting that I'm going to be at. God's at that job interview. God's here with me today. And so I I think it's an intentional ending of this section in Colossians chapter 3 that Paul moves to a moment of where he prescribes three different ways for us to be grounded in the presence of God with us right now. To be reminded that the king of our hearts are with us, and we need to dress to impress the king of our hearts and not be, be lazy. So the, the method I'm going to say is called thankfulness or gratitude, that you need to cultivate gratitude every moment of every day because that helps you be aware and be tuned in to God's channel. That God is with you no matter what. It's not like God goes on vacation, right? God is here. God is with you in the morning. God is with you when you uh, have failed when you when you put on those dirty clothes again. God's still with you, right? But I think often we're unaware of God's presence with us, and that uh, often leads us to a moment where we choose not to put on the clothes of Christ. We choose not to tis, discard. We we cover up or we do whatever, but we don't take away those things. So I want to invite you to just pay attention to this closing part of the passage. See where Paul invites you to be thankful. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through songs and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I've I've kind of cheated. I've made an outline. I think there's three ways that Paul invites us to be thankful. This is not the only ways and the only times to be thankful, but I think these are three good ones that will help us be more grounded in God's presence with us every day and maybe motivate us to put on the clothes of Christ. So the first one is when we're together with other Christians, when we're gathered together. It's not just here on Sunday morning, but I invite you to say, critically, how many hours am I spending with other Christians, with other Christ followers, people who I can be grateful together with them to God? Um, you probably spend uh, 
three, four, six hundred hours a month doing some activities. Probably half of those are sleeping, um, you know, something like that. You're working 40 hours a week, so you've got about a hundred hours a month that you probably are spending doing what you want, not what you have to. Right? Out of those hundred hours, if you're at church on every Sunday, you're probably spending 10 to 12, maybe a little more than that. Uh, together with Christians. But the reality is that you could be very much like any statistic. Uh, right now, the average church member only is in church twice a month. That means you're spending less than 10 hours a month with Christians. You have less opportunities to be grateful together with other Christians if you're not prioritizing gathering with and cultivating small groups or mentor groups or times where you're joining with other Christians just around a meal, a table, and sharing food. One of the reasons that I still like to pray over my food every night, I don't really believe that God needs me to bless it. Sometimes I actually like to pray after I've eaten and thank God for the food that didn't kill me. Because what if it killed me, you know? Like if I have a stomach ache after theirs, I don't know that I want to thank God for the food. But... um, But one of the reasons I still do it so often is because it's a time to thank God, not just for the food, but to thank God for what's going on in my life and to say, God, you're with me in this moment. Other cultures, um, mostly our our Muslim brothers and sisters would have, uh, they have a rhythm of praying three times a day. And if you read the book of Daniel, Daniel prays three times a day. There's what's a, a rhythm to prayer. And for me, mealtime happens three times a day. I'm always getting my meal. Um, so it's a chance for me to pray. So I would just say, how can you be aware? Can you gather Christians around your table? Can you find ways to be with other people who follow Jesus and be thankful um, together? It's not just a time to, to do what you want or to, to do whatever. It's a time actually to recognize God's presence with you. And then the second time is in that part where he's talking about singing. And, um, and so it's not just when we sing church songs, but actually music itself is a joyful experience. And it is one of the best ways to express our true emotions. And what better way to express our thanks to God than with what is kind of beyond words, music. It's the vibrations of, of creation, in fact. If you read Genesis chapter 1, it's kind of like a song. Not day one, day one. It's actually kind of like a a musical score there, a rhythm to it. Just like music has rhythm, creation has rhythms. What if in our rhythms, in our music, we sang to God our thanks? And then um, the last one is kind of the catch-all. Paul says, and whatever you do, it's like, okay. But then he names two specific things. Whatever you do in word and in deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What if you were to drill in and say, the language that I use, I'm going to be a person who's known for using thankful language, right? What if you were to to adopt a practice where you actually chose some words intentionally? Um, If you've never done this, you should ask your closest friends, what are some of the words you repeat over and over and over again? Um, I don't have the statistic, but it's amazing the average person doesn't use more than like 23 words on a, on a given basis. Like it's amazing how many times you repeat the same word, right? Now, if you're speaking to a large group, you'll use other things. But texting, I actually have gone through and read some of my texts, and I use the same repetitive phrasing a lot of the time. What if we were to adopt some repetitive thanks 
uh, phrasing in our lives, in our language, that we were just known for being thankful people, not just to God, but to other people as well. Um, and then uh, in your work, so in word and deed, and I'm going to zero in on the, the things that you call your vocation, what you give your life to. What if you were known not as the complaining worker or the gossip coworker or the person in the, the job who's just funny, right? What if you were known for being the thankful person? What if people thanked their boss for you? What if you were known for thanking your boss for the people that you work with? What if you were known as just the person who did everything with a really grateful spirit? Right? So um, to live the fulfilled life, I'm going to invite you for the month of July uh, to do 31 days of a 10-minute practice. And I've just, done, I've just finished a month of doing this, so I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done myself, and I'm going to do it with you. It could be a longer practice for you, but I'm going to invite you to just spend five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. You probably take, if you're um, like my wife, you're a ninja, you can dress really fast. But for me, it takes like five minutes or so to like pick out what I want to wear if I'm being intentional, right? I'm not just picking up the clothes off the ground. But if I'm being intentional, it takes me at least five minutes to get dressed. What if you were to take that time? And I, I really want to encourage you to get a journal or some sort of thing. You could use your iPhone uh, with the notes app, but I would encourage you to have an actual journal. And what if you were to write at the top of the page every morning as you're picking out your clothes this question, Jesus, what do I need to wear today? What do I need to wear today? Do I need humility as I go into this interview or this, this job um, search? Do I need to uh, have a sense of joy as I go to work today? Do I need some gentleness with my spouse later? Do I need some patience with my family, um, what is the what is it that you need to wear? And and um, in the email on Tuesday, we'll be sending out the list of those scriptures um, that you can see as those are kind of the characters of Christ. But use your imagination. Invite Jesus into the conversation as you're pulling on your socks, as you're putting on your shoes, as you're wrapping that belt around, as you're tying it all together. What if your outfit today? was fitted with the clothes of Christ. And then in the evening, five more minutes, what are you thankful for today? What if you just closed your day by reviewing it? Now, there's an ancient practice called the prayer of examine, and it's a a great practice. Usually, I do it for about a 10-minute practice. I usually do it a couple times a month and just kind of reflect on the last week or the last month or the last year. Um, You can do longer versions of the practice, if you have questions about that, I, I'm happy to answer them. The, the prayer of examine starts with reviewing your day in Thanksgiving. And so all I'm doing is inviting you to do one part of the examine. And spend five minutes. Just jot down this question. God, what am I thankful for today? Maybe something little, maybe something big. Not maybe what you think you're supposed to be thankful for, but what you are right, actually, in fact, grateful for. Where has God shown up in your day today? And that's what you write down. That's what you recall. That reminds you to keep on living this fulfilled life that God has called you to because he's there with you. He was there earlier in the day, though you might not have paid attention to it. But as you recall that, as you review the day in Thanksgiving, you're reminded of God's daily presence with you. And so um, as we uh, transition into ending our our worship time in song, we're going to sing about thanking Jesus. I want to invite you to Um, to really lift your voice, to lift your heart up in song as we close. Um, But I I do want to invite you just to think about this practice. 
What might it look like for you to invite God into the next 31 days, the next month, the month of July? What would it look like for you to just spend five minutes every morning living the fulfilled life? And it's not like keeping up with everybody else on social media, as Brian's talked about. It's not about the grass being greener or getting everything that we want. It's not just about heaven in the future and eternity being, um, being certain with God, though that's part of it. It is, in fact, about the daily recognition that God is with us every moment of every day. And as I get up and I get ready for the day, I want to be dressed in the clothes of Christ. Let's stand and sing together.